pastor, Pastor Emeritus, Pastor Twyman, to First Lady Twyman, to our assistant pastor, Reverend Minor, to the executive board, deacons, trustees, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a privilege to be here. And I don't want to strain your patience. I noticed that the clock up here is a little off. It's an hour off, which means I got an extra hour to preach. Amen. But if you, <laughs> if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and we want to read in your hearing the 18th verse. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, 18th verse. And I'll be again reading from the New King James Version. If you have it, you should see these words. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For a few moments, I'm going to share with us from the thought, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. I think sometimes in the life of a church, it's more than necessary for us to revisit Calvary's cross. In fact, we should be visiting the cross daily. The cross is not just a symbol. It's not just an event. But something happened when Jesus hung upon that cross. The fact of the matter is, a lot of people were crucified, but only Jesus, when he was crucified, through his death, burial, and resurrection, reconciled you and I back to God. There's a story about an evangelist named Reverend George Bernard. Reverend Bernard was traveling back in 1912. He was traveling through the Midwest teaching and preaching. On this occasion, he was invited 
to speak at a church in Albion, Michigan, where he found himself in a situation where he was being heckled and ridiculed by some young people. This experience had forever changed Reverend Bernard and his perspective on what it means to be a Christian had altered. In fact, it could be said that it was this very experience that he had at this church, this very painful and hurtful experience, would inspire him to write one of the most powerful hymns in the church. Like Reverend Bernard, we too are ridiculed. We're talked about. We are made fun of because we choose to believe and place our faith in a God in whom we have never seen. We're living in a culture that chooses to celebrate celebrity. We're living in a culture that is hostile to not only the word of God, but the church of the living God. This country is headed in a direction where it no longer cares or considers the church, the body of Christ, or the word of God. In case you forgot, we believe that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died. He died for all of humanity. But more importantly, he died for you and me. His death was a substitute, meaning that he took my place and he took your place. He was our sacrifice, meaning that he was willingly to lay down his body, to lay down his life, so that you and I can have everlasting life. His death at Calvary was the only thing that can satisfy God's righteousness and judgment. Nowadays, the message of the cross is being distorted. Not only is it being distorted, but you can say it's even being diluted. There are churches that are open in the name of Jesus, but you can't find him anywhere. 
People use the message of the cross to promote a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. Listen to me very carefully, brothers and sisters. We are living in some perilous times. We are living in some times where there is a great falling away. We are living in some times that the Bible would say that it is apostasy, that there will be a great falling away. The truth of the matter is that falling away is happening right now. There are some who, because of this pandemic, will not ever return back to the church. And it leaves you to think about that fact and know that when they were in church, did they believe what they say they believed? But it's not so much for you and I to examine them as it is for you and I to examine ourselves. Don't you know that the word of God is a mirror that reflects his truth? back to our own lives. I remember a deacon said a long time ago that I ain't got no business looking out the window because when I look out the window, I'll see somebody else. But when I look in the mirror, I can only see myself. I don't know about you, but the cross is enough for me. I don't need a name it and claim it type of salvation. I don't need a deluded salvation that's based on humanism. I don't need a salvation that tries to use God as a bellhop. But I need that old time religion. I need that religion that uplifts Christ and him alone. I want to be like the Apostle Paul says that, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Y'all don't hear me in here. It's something about Calvary's cross. In fact, the songwriter said, at last and did my Savior bleed. And did my, my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Ain't nothing like a good old hymn. But the question that lies before us, as we think about the word cherish, what is it in your life that you cherish? Is it your job? Is it the money that you have in the bank? Is it 
the affection of a loved one. What is it that you cherish today? You see, to cherish something, it literally means that you will protect it, that you're going to care for it. It's something that you hold dear to your heart. It, it, it really means that you keep it, 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 you keep it in the hope or ambition within your mind. So the question is, how do we, in the midst of everything that's going on around us, how do we cherish the old rugged cross? Well, to cherish the old rugged cross, the Apostle Paul is going to give us three distinct things that we need to be aware of to make sure that we are aligned to not only who we say we are, but what, more importantly, what we are supposed to do. Do I have a witness in here? Here it is that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And Paul had received some troubling news that the church in Corinth was in disarray. There were some divisions within the congregation. Some identified themselves that says that I am of Paul. Others identified themselves that I am of Apollos. And there was even others that said I am of Cephas. But Paul sets the record straight by asking this very poignant question in the 13th verse of this first chapter. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here's one thing that we need to recognize and know, that Satan will always try to sow division in the body of Christ. Did you hear what I said? We fight not against flesh or blood, right? But we fight against powers, against principalities, right? Wickedness in high places. Here it is that Paul sets it up because he wants to make sure that we are clear. And the argument that he sets in this verse really opposes two different groups. They and us. They and us. They are the ones who are not saved. Us is supposed to be saved. Let me see if I can unpack that. Paul says, makes a bold claim about the cross that if you and I are going to live in light of Calvary's cross, if we are truly going to cherish and cling to the old rugged cross, Paul says this, that when you do that, it will cause you to make a decision. Choose you this day in whom you will serve. Every day that we wake up, we have to make a choice. Either we're going to make the choice 
to live for God or we're going to make the choice to live for ourselves. Whatever the situation is, the choice that we make has some consequences. And the consequences could be either good or the consequences can be bad. But at the end of the day, all of us has to make a choice. We have to make a decision. Listen, is it for Christ that I live and it is for Christ that I will die? Do I have a witness in here somewhere? Because that's the, what the world is looking for. The world is looking for you and I to say who we are and to stand on what we believe. It's too much waffling going on in the church. If you don't believe me, just look at us sometimes. We say we love God. We say that, you know, we live for God. But when it comes down to his word, we have a problem. We, we, we take issue because it doesn't fit within our narrative. It doesn't fit within our motivation, right? I said it to you earlier that God's word is not concerned about how you feel about it. But it is concerned in the way that you obey it, right? We are to obey the word. So here's what it breaks down to. Either we will accept the message of the cross or we are going to reject the message of the cross. There is no gray area. There is no pregatory. Hello, Catholics. Right? It's heaven or hell. Either you're going to be with God forever or you're going to be away from him forever. Here it is. Paul says... The message of the cross is foolishness. Let's break down that word foolishness. Because when it's translated in the Greek, it really means to be a moron. Yeah, so the world looks at you and I as a moron for having the nerve to get up in the middle of a pandemic and go to church. They think that we are morons, that we are foolish that we don't know what we're doing. But listen, you can't tell me what the Lord has done for me. Don't you know that he brought me out? Don't you know that God had cleaned me up, that he set me up? And he did the same for you. Don't allow people who are not saved to tell you how to worship a true and living God. Especially they don't even know him. But yet they can tell you about what you're supposed to do. The nerve and audacity. But not only does Paul point out here that how people that are not saved, how they look at us. And, and you know what? Every person that sits in the pew is not always saved. It happens even within the church. I'll just plant that for you. Not only does Paul say that, you know what, it's going to cause us to make a decision, but it's going to also cause division. Those and us. Who is on the Lord's side? 
Do I have a witness in here? You, you, if you're on the Lord's side, it ain't just by your mouth service. It's by your life service, meaning that you are active in ministry. And listen, even though ministry has taken another twist within this pandemic, it still doesn't stop us from meeting the needs of others because ministry is all about serving one another meeting the needs of one another. And listen, even though I might not be able to come into your house, I could still call you. I could still check on you. I could still make myself available to meet your needs. We have to make a decision, but in that decision, it will cause a division. You know what Paul is really talking about here? He really is talking about the fact that even in this church, the church at Corinth, even within this church in the divisions, right? You had Jewish Christians, you had Gentile type of Christians. And the Jews, you know, if you think about it, it's some Jews and Greeks in the congregation right now. Let me break that down. The Jews always look for a sign. They want God to prove what he's already proven, right? It's just like that with some folk in the church. They were always looking for a sign. They always want to know whether the word said it, but I don't know if the word really said it. No, the word said it. And then we have a Greek mentality. A Greek mentality follows this, that they're always looking for something new. You see, the Greeks always pride themselves on the philosophies that common man could come up with and they debate and argue all these different philosophies. Well, the Greek people that's in the congregation, they're always not satisfied. They're never satisfied. The word is old. The way that we worship is old. They're always looking for something new. Which are you? Jew or Greek? Because it exists within the congregation. But here's what it is. We have to consider that the conditions of this world will have us to try to pit ourselves against our brother and sister. And we cannot fall for the trap that Satan sets before us. Don't you know that he does go about to and fro on the earth as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? And he's not looking to devour those who are already in his camp. You do know and understand that Satan seeks to take any glory away from God. That's his motive. That's his mission. And guess who he uses to do so? You and I. So the question is, how do we cherish the old rugged cross? How do we wrestle with this tension of us against them? Well, you know what? Paul says to us that if you think about it, that it's a fixed fight. Because the reason that it's a fixed fight, because we know where we're going. At least you should know where you're going. Amen. Either you are going to be with God forever, 
or you're going to be apart from God forever. Do I have a witness here? So we'll cherish the old rugged cross because number one, it forces us to make a decision. Number two, that decision will cause division. But then lastly, when we cherish the old rugged cross, it helps us to affirm our dependence upon God. The latter part of verse 18, Paul says, but to us who are being saved, that's speaking to our process of sanctification. Don't you know that we have been saved from the penalty of sin, right? And we are being saved from what? The presence of sin, right? And so as we continue to grow in Christian maturity, right, we have not arrived. We won't arrive on this side of heaven. But when we see Christ for ourselves, at that point in time, we, our works are going to be tested and we're going to know who we really are. It will be revealed to us because that's what? We're going to be just like him. So with that being said, the power of God. Paul is referring to the truth that the power that we have comes from God. And the difference between those who are perishing and, and those of us who believe by faith in the power of God is this. We know that Jesus and his death Burial and resurrection has satisfied the judgment of God. And by knowing that, we are empowered to live for him. So if we're empowered to live from him, right, then why is it that we choose not to live for him? If we're empowered to do things on God's behalf, what stops us from doing things on God's behalf? So the question that lies, what is it about the cross that we should cherish? How can we cherish such a gruesome sight of injustice? Well, Isaiah tells us in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of many sorrows, acquainted with grief and we hid as if it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him surely he has bore the griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted I like this part he was wounded for our transgression he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Don't you know that at the cross, that old rugged cross, that Jesus had reconciled you and I back to God. But here it is with this preacher that I told you about earlier, Reverend George Bernard, when he was mocked ridiculed and criticized by some folk who were at the church. It, it drawed him to pin this very hymn. On the hill 
far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Oh, I love that old cross. Though anybody in here with me, won't you cherish the old rugged cross? There's nothing in this life worth cherishing than that old rugged cross. Never get too high in yourself that you think that you're making it when it's God that's making it away through you. I cherish the old rugged cross. And here's why I cherish that old rugged cross. Because through 42 generations, Jesus came down, he healed the sick, provided sight for the blind, he raised the dead. They took him from judgment hall to judgment hall and they couldn't find no fault with him. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him till he was unrecognizable. They marched him on the hill called Golgotha. Jesus hung between two thieves. Jesus died on that cross, buried in another man's tomb. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. He declared that all the power in heaven and earth is in my hand. And that power that's in Jesus' hand makes it possible for you and I to cherish that old rugged cross. Amen. It might be somebody here. As we all stand together, it might be somebody here who doesn't know